and that will be the last time you ever see that sermon bumper video ever, ever. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, first service actually groaned. I think they love it. You guys, I don't know. But um, hey, this is our last message in the Joyride series. And of all the series we've done, it's been one of my favorites because I love just going through the text of the scripture. And the book of Philippians is my favorite book. So uh, we've really enjoyed this uh, series, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it also. Uh, next week, we're starting a new series called Little Big Shots, and we are going to go five weeks on five young people in the scripture that made a big impact. And so I encourage you guys to continue to be here through the rest of the summer. I did something last Saturday that I am almost embarrassed to admit. You may have noticed that my voice was a little bit weak as I came to uh, preaching last weekend, and there's a reason for that. Last Saturday night, uh, our son Jason came to me and said, Dad, let's go to the fair, the Warren County Fair. Now, every year we've gone to the fair at some point, especially to see Jonathan and Julia's animals that they bring and show. Uh, but this year I wasn't able to go. I was uh, too busy. And so Jason, at the last second, the last night of the fair, goes, Dad, you need to go with us. I said, okay, let's go. So there's only about an hour left in the fair. Now, when we get in, we notice the loud noises off in the distance, and I realize that this is demolition derby night, okay? Now, I haven't seen a demolition derby since I was 12 years old, literally. Our family went. Sometime when we were on vacation, we saw a demolition derby. And so we get up in the stands with everybody else, and I'm looking around at the crowd. This is a crazy crowd. And there are trucks. They're doing the trucks first. And immediately I'm into it because this one truck plows into this other one and he flips over on his top. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm, I'm really into the demolition derby now. And then the uh, cars, now the, the cars are going to start. And the cars don't have hardly any uh, real you know, protection. And so there's metal flying everywhere. Now, before they started the cars, the announcer gets up in his kind of country, southern good old boy accent and goes, Hey, guys, listen, we're going to have a Mad Dog Award tonight. And he said, whoever, whichever one you think is the best one, not the one who wins, but the one who just does crazy tonight, we're going to celebrate that. you got to cheer loud, so pick out three, your three-digit car. I was like, oh, cool, I get to pick out a car. And they all had these three digits. And so uh, I, I look around, and immediately I know who I'm going to choose, number 331. Number 331 was the guy that, like everybody else, is kind of banging on one end down here, and he just, like, goes the other end pushes the pedal to the metal, like 40, 50 miles an hour, across the whole thing, boom, and metal flies everywhere. I'm like, this is crazy. Now at the end, he's like, all right, guys, I want you to yell for who you thought was a mad dog. And he picked out two or three, all right? I want you to go R89, everybody R89, yeah. And now the guy next to me was wearing a red and white striped shirt, and I whispered to Jason, <laughs> I was like, I found him. He goes, Who? I went, Waldo, there's, I know, not my finest dad moment, but I couldn't help it, a bust on the guy. But anyway, Waldo then asked me, who are you yelling for? And I go, 331. He's like, okay. He tells his kid, hey, let's yell for 331. I'm like, all right, let's go. So now it's R89, R89. And then several people yell, R, and it goes, 331. And I'm like, wow. Now, here I am at the county fair at a demolition derby next to Waldo, yelling at the top of my lungs for 331 for the Mad Dog Award. And I think, how far have I fallen? I mean, my gosh. 
All I needed was, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but all I needed was a wife beater tank top, a, a, you know, some skull, and uh, I would have fit in with, and a beer belly, I would have fit in with all the rest of the dudes that were standing around there. But, uh, man, it was crazy. I, I give you good news today. Number 331 won the Mad Dog Award at the Warren County Fair uh, Demolition Derby. You should go next year. It's, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Now, I want to embed in your heart today another three-digit number, all right? It's not 331, it's 419, all right, 419. And, and this is the address of the final truth that we're going to give to you today from the book of Philippians. Now, the, the phrase, the verse is Philippians 419, my God shall supply all your needs. Let's not read it from the screen. Let's just say that out loud. Can you do that with me? My God shall supply all your needs. That is an amazing promise. It's one of my favorite promises in the Scripture because I've, I've really banked a lot of my Christian life on that very promise. I really believe that the cultivation of the discipline of thankfulness is the single best antidote to complaining or to greed or to materialism if we just all saw 419 more in our lives, we'd be like, look, look around and see what God has done. You talk about yelling or cheering on some great, some great three-digit number, we need to cheer on 419. And today, if you'd allow me to take a little bit of time to just kind of provide, again, the context of this, and where was Paul in the middle of when he wrote those words, my God will supply all your needs. Here he is in a prison cell. Not because of anything he'd done, but because he was just sharing the gospel of Jesus. Just sharing the fact that Jesus had come and died and resurrected. He's sharing that, but the, but the religious leaders of his day and the political leaders of that day felt threatened by that. So they threw him in prison for trumped up charges. Here he is arrested, but he's not abandoned. In the middle of his greatest needs there in the prison, where they didn't have all the supplies that they offer today in prisons, they don't give all the food, all the rations, all the, all the medical supplies. Really, if you were going to be taken care of, it was because people that you cared about gave to you. And so in the middle of this hardship, Paul's friends at the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, sent supplies to him so that he would not feel abandoned. Now, can you imagine the emotional impact that would have on somebody? Somebody who's in great need. And yet at the same time, these kind-hearted friends give to him? Amazing. Another reason why it touched Paul so deeply is he knew that his friends really didn't have a lot of resource. He knew that most of them at the church of Philippi were just hard-working people, barely earning enough to put food on their own table. Here they are providing for him in the middle of their own need. And he's just so amazed by that that he writes this letter back to them, this letter on joy, and he waits for his emotional thank you to the very end of the letter. Here we are in chapter 4, the last part of his letter to the church at Philippi, and he writes those words to them. It's, he says, it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid when I, uh, more, more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more to be that I be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. 
They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul shares with them this emotional thank you for giving to him. And today what I want to do is share with you that great promise, 419 from Philippians. And I want to give you the truths that he shared with them right here in this this, uh, passage. I'm going to first apply it to them, and then I'm going to apply it to all of us. Philippians 4.17, here's the great truth. He said, your gift is credited to your account in heaven. Paul says, every child of God that has, has, a, has an account in heaven where every time that we give, it is recorded by God himself there. Every time a Christ follower meets a need or provides a resource or serves the poor or the imprisoned, every time God notices and he takes account, account of it, and he honors it. Paul says, if you have taken part of this offering from the church at Philippi to bring me gifts, it is recorded in heaven and will be remembered forever. Here's another truth. Verse 18, he says, not only that, your gifts are a fragrant offering, sweet-smelling aroma to God. That is quite an imagery, isn't it? Because when you think about something, I mean, we can all relate to this. Something that smells really bad, something that smells really good. Uh, my, my refrigerator in college smelled really bad, right? And, and, and uh, we left stuff in there that was far beyond when it should have been left in the refrigerator. Several years ago, when Lisa and I moved from Westchester to Lebanon area, uh, we didn't have a place to stay. And so we lived with my brother, Jonathan, and his wife, Julia, and their kids for five months, his four kids, our four kids. In the middle of that, they had their fourth kid. And, uh, and, and so it was a busy time. Our kids ended up sleeping in their unfinished basement with sheets for walls. They lived in a 12 by 12 section. It was awesome. But when we moved, we had all of our stuff. We put it all together. We put it in pods, except for the stuff that's in the refrigerator. And the last possible second, we grabbed the stuff in the freezer and refrigerator. We threw it onto a trailer, and we carted it over to his house on the trailer, my dad's trailer. And uh, my dad goes, hey, listen, I'm going to get a dumpster. You can just throw that stuff in there. And I was like, fine. But we were so busy starting Access Church, I didn't even think about the stuff that was on the trailer. The dumpster didn't come. Dad didn't think about that either. And one day, as Lisa was kind of out there by the trailer, she was like, "Mm." she just came in real calmly. She goes, you need to go out there and check that trailer. Now, remember, it was August, okay? And this was stuff that had been in my freezer, part of which was a, was a deer, which I had shot like six months before or whatever with a crossbow. So anyway, so we're, we're <laughs> the deer is now on the trailer and it had been three weeks in the heat of August. And so I go out there and I pass by it. I'm like, oh my. I mean, it's the worst thing I've ever smelled. It was so bad when I called Rumpke and said, can you guys come pick this up? This is what it is. They were like, no, we are not coming. They told me no. And so I had to take it to Rumpke myself. And uh, it, was, it was atrocious. Never smelled anything worse. But I've also had some really good smells. Anybody ever smelled fresh baked bread? How about some nice uh, <laughs> baked chocolate chip cookies? Or fresh cut flowers in spring. Now we all know the bliss of smelling some sweet aroma. And usually you inhale that aroma deeply. And and you're just, 
I mean, it brings you right there, right? You're like, oh, that smells so good. And here's what Paul says. He uses that analogy to say, listen, there is a sweet-smelling aroma. And that aroma is fragrance to God every time one of my children has a heart of generosity. Paul tells the Philippian believers, God inhaled those two or three extra times when you brought that, those gifts to myself. Good job, guys. Good job. Now, here's the third truth that he wants to convey, and that is this 419 promise that now that you've given, your God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. And here's, here's what he says. I know that anybody who parts with anything for the sake of the poor or the advancement of the gospel or the work of God in the world, whenever anyone parts with anything, food or money or clothing or blankets or what have you, he says that now you're giving and now God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of times when we give, we often have a, a feeling of afterwards of, oh, no, what did I do? We call it momentary giver's remorse. A person who goes, oh, no, I followed the prompting to be generous, and now what am I going to do? I, I gave to a pressing need, but am I going to be left high and dry? What if my rent goes up? What if my car breaks down? What if my kids need braces? What if the economy cools off? What if? And Paul says, you don't need to worry about those things. You don't have to beat yourself up when you give. He said, just focus your attention away from there and pin your hopes on 419, that three-digit number. Whenever you give a gift, say, God is going to supply my needs according to his riches. Not everything I want, but your needs. And I can picture the Philippian church just taking kind of a sigh of relief. They've given even beyond their ability to give. And now Paul reassures them. God takes account of that. It's like a sweet aroma to God. And not only that, man, he is going to give in return. And so this letter comes. Paul writes this emotional thought right at the end of his letter. And he writes it to them. That I really feel like as we as a church are here today, that my job is to help communicate these truths into your life. Because we're in one of the most generous churches. And, and so I'm going to take those same truths and apply them to your life directly. Because every time that there has been a need, this church has stepped up. But when it comes to facilities just alone, I remember uh, our first year we were in a daycare center. And there had been people outside of our church who had supplied. Many of you, none of, hardly any of you were there at that time. A few of you. And uh, those outside of our church said, we want to help fund a church in Warren County. And so those original gifts were given by people outside, allowed us to start a church in a daycare center. And at the end of that first year, we said, we want to move out of the daycare center. We're tired of smelling diapers, right? And I'm just kidding. So we we said, we want to go to the movie theater because we like to smell popcorn, speaking of sweet aromas. And, uh, and so we moved to the movie theater by Kings Island, and every weekend there was this sweet smell of popcorn and, and actually patrons to the movies who come in. Anybody remember the day where the previews started rolling behind me when I was preaching? Anybody remember that? That was, that was an awkward moment. Um, but then we, we needed to move out of that building, and so we said, where are we going to go? And we were able to find this building after a period of several months of praying for something else. And praying specifically for this place. And we figured out how much that would be. And we came to the church and said, guys, in two months, we're moving into this other facility. It has to be renovated. 
we're renting it. Would you give? And over two weekends, our church gave. We were able to move into the kids' area over here. This building, we didn't move into here. We moved over there. Can you guys remember the days where we had church in the kids' city area, right? <laughs> and uh, our, ki- our kids were upstairs. We were downstairs. And then I remember fast-forwarding to this time when this facility became available, this part of the building. And, and it was 13 weeks from the time we envisioned to the time we actually moved in. And, and we just said, man, what would happen if we moved into this space? And guys, we, again, once again, need to come and say, let's, let's partner up together. And we did. We moved in this space and similarly into the coffee area behind. And every time there was a specific need, God allowed us through his people to move forward to the next step. And, and he did that through the generosity of the church. And every time we needed that space, uh, God provided. Every time there was a specific need in the church, people stepped up in countless ways. Countless needs have been met, whether it be meals for someone in need, something as simple as that, or hey, I'll watch your kids while you are in the hospital, or, or what have you, there have been needs met. Uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, after we were in this facility, Erin, who, uh, her family at the time, really before Access, had not gone to church very much, uh, Jeff and Sandy Geibel, they had kind of been at churches where I had been, they happened to be in Dayton when I was in Dayton, they showed up a couple times when I was there. And then we went to Westchester, we were there. Their family came there a little bit more regularly, Christmas and Easter, you know. And uh, Aaron grew up in that kind of environment. And, and, um, and so she was really at the place in her life where she wasn't sure about this God thing at all. In fact, she called herself an atheist at that time. Um, and then she came to Access Church. She was invited by Meredith, and they now she comes, and now her mom and dad are with her. And, and then over time, just something catches, and, and now they went from, occasional to Christmas and Easter to they're just a tremendous part of our church and and uh, I love the fact that part of Aaron's story is we hired a, a, a girl to do our early childhood education here who at one time really wasn't sure she believed in God and now she's you know leading our kids to faith in God and uh, I'll never forget the day though where her dad was out of work for a year and she was now moving on to college going to go to UC and needed transportation, and Brian and Lori Stackpole have been in community with Aaron and said, well, we have a spare car that we, she could have, and I'll never forget that Sunday, they were like, hey, everybody come out, come out, they were like, Stephen, come out in the parking lot, just wait what's going to happen, it's going to be exciting, and I'm like, great, and we walk out there, and there's a car, it doesn't have a, like a red bow on it, and it wasn't like a Lexus, brand new, you know, like they say on the commercials, but it was like a car. And she went out there, and they're like, here's the keys, this is your car. Like, what? Yeah. And, man, there have been so many stories of just generosity in this place. And because of your unbelievable generosity, I just want to encourage you all today with those same truths. I want you to remind you that God keeps an account. Scripture says that heaven credits your account every time you give. Now, I know a lot of you in this place have already reorganized your whole financial household in order to manage your money in a God-honoring way. You've put a budget together, you've stuck to it, you've avoided destructive debt, you're setting savings aside. And in addition to that, many of us in this place are writing checks that represent 10% of our earnings each pay period, that we bring a tithe, the Bible says, 10% of our income, and provide that to the Lord through the work of the church. The Bible teaches that. 
And so that by year's end, so many have given. And when you give, sometimes you might be tempted to think, man, is there any account of that at all in terms of heaven? And there is. The Apostle Paul assures all of us, listen, every time you give to the poor, every time you give to the work of God, it is not only noticed by God himself, but it is celebrated and it is accounted for. God understands that every time you give to the work of him in the world, it's a signal to God that you love him, that you love him more than your stuff, that he takes first place. That's why he blesses those that he can trust with generosity. I mean, as a parent, would you be more likely to give more when a child is generous or more to the child who says, nope, I'm not giving back anyway. I'm taking all things for myself. Of course, as a parent, I'd be more likely to give when I know that it can be trusted and taken care of. So friends, just know that it is recorded. Secondly, beyond that, you know that it's like a fragrant offering to the Lord. There are just times where special needs come up, even beyond regular giving. And we know that when we give in that way, it's like a special uh, blessing to God and a sweet aroma. Verse 18 says the aroma of that kind of giving is so sweet to God. If you only knew how sweet it is, because God knows we live in a materialistic world. And every day we're bombarded with media messages of buy more and spend more and acquire more and compete for more and then hoard it for yourselves. And God understands how countercultural it is when we actually take a stand and say, no, I want to set margin in my life and I want to love you more than my stuff. And that touches the heart of God. And as a dad, I can tell you, it touches me when my kids give. Just a couple of weeks ago when... Um, one of Rebecca's friends uh, was over at our house, and there her mom was going to pick um, her up, and she came to our house, the mother did, the single mom, and they're now going to take off in the car, but when she starts it, it won't start, and so they come back to me, assuming that maybe I know something about cars, which I really don't, and I like, I turn it over just like they did, and it makes a horrible sound. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's not right, okay, and, and so, uh, I said, well, I don't know anything about cars, but I can call AAA. AAA comes out and takes her to the place where she goes there and, and to take care of her car. And when the bill came back, Rebecca came back and reported, it was, it was a significant amount of money, and she had just paid a couple thousand dollars before this on this car, and she's so discouraged, the mom is. And I don't know if I, I and um, Rebecca said, we've got to do something to help. And... I'll give for this. Can we give for this? Mom and dad, can we give for this? And, of course, Lisa hears that, and Lisa has that generous spirit as well, and she immediately goes, okay, let's rally the troops. You know, you know, Lisa, she's like, let's get people together, you know. Let's go, let's go. And uh, so she calls, like, you know, a couple friends that know this lady and said, we all want to give. Let's all join up and give and take care of this need and bless her in that way. And, and let me just say, that when your children get generosity, doesn't it encourage your heart? You go, wow, my kids get it. It's like a sweet aroma. And, and here's the deal. When you give like that, remember that 419 promise that God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So don't waste a single moment worrying about whether or not your basic needs are going to be met when you are generous, you know that God has made that promise to you. 
I mean, in the scripture, one time he just rained down manna from heaven every day. His kids needed bread. He said, I'm not going to abandon you. So every day he gave to them. And then later we see this track record of when he continues to faithfully supply to his children what they need over and over and over again. Another time he supplied water to the children of Israel. Now, here's one of my worries, I guess, my concerns, as we kind of wind down here. Because in this message, I think it's very tempting with this promise to, to believe it in theory, but not actually in practice. In other words, you might walk out of here and go, that is really true. My God does supply all of my needs. Mm, that's great. But I'm not actually going to trust him on that. And you've never lived that adventure of that verse your whole life. So I want to encourage you today to be able to do it. And we occasionally, as a church, beyond our regular giving, we find special things to give to. Special moments in the life of our church where it just seems like there's a need that arises that we all should be participating in. And beyond just the the other ones that we have given to. And so we have that today before us. Uh, We're taking a special offering today. We're going to take um, all of this at one time after the message here in a minute. And uh, because it's not very visitor friendly to pass the offering basket three times for three different things. So we're just going to do it all at one time, right? And um, here's what we're going to do. One of the needs is for Gerard and Delina. Uh, Gerard had a heart attack and open heart surgery not long ago. And so we as a church family want to help support them. He hadn't been able to work for a little while. And so we want to help offer a... Uh, kind of a token of our appreciation of them here in this place. And so if you decide to give to that, uh, you can write on the memo of your check, just write the word Gerard. And if you don't remember that, just write the word heart, and we will understand what that means. Uh, Part of the offering today goes to help provide for a new ministry of our church. We are actually starting a coffee shop here that Roger and Jackie Wilson, once I started talking about over a year ago, our desire to create a third space for people. Third space meaning work is one, uh, home is two, and, uh, and then another space, a social space. We're figuring out that people like social spaces, but they don't really always look for a church. And so we as a church, we're trying to set the pace on that and figure out ways to build bridges with people who are far from God. And we thought one of the best ways to do that is through coffee. And so we built this space out to help start a coffee shop, but then we had to have somebody run it, and Roger and Jackie Wilson from our church have been praying for a while. What are we going to do in retirement? And they thought, well, maybe we'll start a coffee shop. And so I started talking about it, and they started saying, well, maybe that's us. And week after week after week, they started going, no, I don't think that's us. Yeah, that's us. No, that's not us. Are you kidding me? We're going to do a coffee shop? So they started an LLC called Our Leap of Faith. And now here they are in their retirement, and, um, and, uh, and, and they're, they're preparing for that. We hope to be open by the end of August, believe it or not. So we're going to be talking about that more here coming up. Uh, But we've split it up this way. Everything that involves coffee, Roger and Jackie are going to be supplying with their own personal loan. But everything that's structural, the church is going to be providing. So cabinetry or the commercial refrigerator or the plumbing that's involved or the grease trap that has to happen, these kind of things. The signage, we own the brand, so the signage, the website, that's all on the church. And so... Uh, we need to raise money for that, and so we're going to be doing that today. If you want to give to that, just write coffee on the memo of your check, 
and we'll know what that means. The coffee shop is going to be named Kala, which in Greek means good. It's a good cup for a good cause, and uh, our good cause is children in Warren County and Mason area, and, uh, and we're going to be giving to children's causes. 10% of everything that comes in from the profit will be given to um, children's causes in our area. And I really want you guys to enjoy some good coffee here. I hope to see you all here very often. It'll be open from 6 to 1. And I'm going to be sitting over here. You know where I'm going to be working, right? And uh, I'm enjoying, I'm going to be enjoying that good cup for a good cause quite often. Listen, um, when you give today, uh, maybe some of you didn't come prepare. There's going to be a basket in the back, and it'll have envelopes. You can write on that envelope where you want it to go, okay? If it's not noted, it'll go to general, our, our, our regular offering. Um, we're going to take that one offering here at the end. If you want to give online, you can do that also. You know, every gift makes a difference. One of my favorite giving stories ever in the life of our church happened several years ago. I think it was July of 2012. We were in this space over here in the uh, kids' city space. And back in those days in the church, we were, we were within that first five years. We were only open three years. And, and literally, you remember on our management team, don't you, Gerard? We'd go, are we going to actually make it this month or not? Because we don't know. <laughs> you know, once we became self-sufficient, we weren't always sure. And, uh, and yet we were faithful. We knew God was going to bless. We didn't always know how. And uh, many, many times God would provide a gift in a way for our church just to stay open uh, through, through what we had to pay every month. And, and Josh's grandfather, uh, Ron Romano's dad, was uh, ill. And over the years, he had been gathering up a five-gallon jar of coins, five-gallon jar. He'd been putting his coins in there forever and, uh, and other things, by the way, we learned, later learned, too, because anything you grab out of your pocket ends up in the jar. But, um, but anyway, so we, uh, he, he'd been putting things in this jar for so many years, and he was like only like that far away from, from filling it. And he tells Josh, one of these days when I get that filled, I'm going to give that to your church. And his grandfather really wasn't a church-going guy too much. Except the one time where he, he did come a few times, and I remember the one weekend where he came and he sat right in the middle over there in that other building, and Josh was preaching, and his grandfather was right back there in his chair, and he was sleeping. Josh was like, nothing's more discouraging when your own grandfather's asleep when you're preaching, you know? It's terrible. And, um, but, he, but he had a heart for our church, and, and, uh, and so when he passed away, he had told Josh, I'm going to give that, and, and Josh told me that story. I said, Josh, man, our church has got to hear that story. And so we brought that thing in, and you have no idea how heavy a jar, five-gallon jar of coins is until you have to pick that thing up. And uh, we actually had to get a nursing home lift, you know, that lifts people, to get that thing up. And we put it onto the stage, and we set it down. And then I just told the church, I said, I told them the story, and I said, listen, guys, we're just going to fill that thing up. Can we just fill that up? Everybody goes, yeah, let's fill it up. I said, just bring your piggy banks. Okay, we'll all fill it up. And we filled that thing. And not only that, we filled up uh, just shoe boxes. And people had their piggy banks and sat it up there. Just very uh, meaningful, sometimes small, sometimes large tokens. And then we figured out, well, how in the world are we going to count this? How are we going to count it? I tried to break the jar. It wasn't going to break. And we're like, how in the world? So we tried to just like, we, now we had to like, just get it out. It was like coin at a time, like shake them all out of there. And then we had this huge thing of coins. And we go, how are we going to count it? We take it to a local bank and we pour it in and, you know, cut bucket after bucket after bucket. And I think at the end of it, if I remember right, it was like $1,100. Now, 
in the midst of churches raising millions of dollars and all the things that happens today, you think $1,100? Wow. If it hadn't been through that $1,100, we wouldn't have made it through July uh, 2012. You know, that gift sort of was a catalyst to other gifts that happen over time where people realize it's worth it all. It's worth the cause. And, and uh, Josh's grandfather inspired us in that way. And he really honored that promise, and God honored that promise for all of us at 419, that God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So today we're going to give, here in a minute, uh, we're going to give for Gerard and Delina, and you can note that. We're going to give for the structure of the coffee shop, because we uh, need to do that to be able to provide this ministry to be good news to the city. And I want to encourage you to give to those things and continue to follow that promise and believe the scripture that when we give, God's always going to give and be faithful to us. Now, as I close, I want to read several of the phrases that we've learned over the last three months, just like they did in worship last week. And if you missed it, uh, here's some of the ones that we have talked about. Friends, he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others as well. Shine like stars in the heavens in this crooked and depraved generation. Forget the past. Press on to the prize which Christ has called us heavenward. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Don't worry. Pray. Think excellent thoughts. Whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, you think about such things. Learn to be content in all situations. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And my God will supply all my needs according to His glorious riches. That, friends, is a tremendous joy ride from the book of Philippians. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for giving your best to us. We're reminded that Romans tells us that God did not hesitate to provide his own son for our salvation. So therefore, how much more will he take care of our everyday needs? God, remind us how much you've loved us through the offerings we give today. I pray that it's a a benefit to those who receive and also to those who give. I pray that it's a blessing and helpful to Gerard and Delina to be able to provide some medical or just to provide some daily needs. Pray for, God, what we're doing uh, next door. And I pray for the ministry that we're about to offer to the city to be good news to the city through what we offer, building bridge opportunities. People to sit down, have a cup of coffee together, have a conversation, get to know people from Axis in that place. God, I pray that as they enter that room, they'll begin to be familiar with this room. They'll begin to be familiar with worship. It won't be very long before people uh, kind of migrate from a coffee table to sitting around the Lord's table and having worship together. So God, we pray for that. We pray for you to make some incredible inroads in the community as Axis Church seeks to be good news. God, we pray through these things that you are blessed. And Lord, we just now worship you, we honor you, we give to you. 
And we thank you in Jesus' name.